Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. Welcome to your Hollywood crime scene mini episode. Hello. You may be wondering, what happened to summer scares? Well, the SAG after strike happened, and as a SAG member, we have been asked not to cover any struck work. And I wasn't clear if the movies, the rest of the movies we were going to do would be considered struck work, but just to be on the... Like, I emailed SAG. I didn't hear back from them. They're overwhelmed with a ton of emails. I wasn't sure. We decided to be rather be safe than sorry. And to finish out the month with two mini episodes, because a lot of news stories have come up in the past couple weeks that will be equally as exciting as if we had done the rest of our summer scares. Sure. I mean, we had some crazy breaking news in the past few weeks. Anyway, if you want to know more about the SAG after strike, we will provide a link in the show notes. And thank you very much for understanding. Yeah. With that being said, we had a huge true crime story happen a couple weeks ago. And that is that they arrested a suspect in the Long Island serial killer case. Yeah. This is wild. And he's from a town that I lived in, Massapequa, which we've talked about on the show. Yes. Matza Pizza. <laughs> Massapequa has come up a lot of times on this show. And there's a lot of famous people from Massapequa, uh, including Billy Baldwin. Did you see that story with Billy Baldwin? He went to high school with this guy. Yes. Yes. He's, he like posted something. He posted something like the day it came out, like their yearbook photos or whatever. So this is from Rolling Stone. This is from two weeks ago talking about when the arrest was made. It says Suffolk County police detained detained 59-year-old Massapequa man Rex Hewerman Friday, more than a decade after at least 10 bodies were found along a desolate stretch of Jilgo Beach. Is that how it's pronounced? I think it's Gilgo. Gilgo. Um, But I actually have never been there. Suffolk County police arrested a man in Massapequa, New York, in connection with three murders attributed to the long unsolved Long Island serial killer case that had long perplexed authorities and became the focus of countless true crime offerings. So the suspect, he's a 59-year-old guy named Rex Hewerman, he is the owner of an architectural firm called Rex Hewerman Consultants and Associates, based in New York City. He, he was arrested in New York City, and then the police presence was obviously at his home where he lives in Massapequa right. on Long Island. 
At least 10 bodies were recovered from the desolate stretch of Gilgo Beach along Long Island's southern coast beginning in December 2010, but the investigation has largely focused on the four women since dubbed the Gilgo Four, as the similarities between their murders suggest they were all killed by the same person. The remains of Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello, all four of whom were sex workers who advertised their services online at the time of their death, were each found wrapped in burlap in close proximity to one another. According to Hewerman's bail application obtained by Rolling Stone, he was charged with three counts of first-degree murder and second-degree murder in the deaths of Bartholomew, Waterman, and Costello. Hewerman remains a prime suspect in Brainerd Barnes' death, prosecutors said, adding that investigation was still ongoing. So he pled not guilty at this hearing. He told reporters, quote, I didn't do this. The district attorney's office said that the evidence that led to this arrest included computer evidence and cell phone data as well as DNA evidence. Mm. So, anyway, this is really huge. It looks like they got. It looks like they got DNA from pizza crust. I saw that. It's like the most Long Island like way of getting evidence ever. I would be so embarrassed if somebody collected DNA because that's how I would get DNA. That's how they get DNA from me. That's why I always eat my crust. <laughs> always eat your crust. No, I'm glad he didn't. Uh, this guy's a real weirdo. I mean, beyond his charges, he's like, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't a guy where they're like, he seemed like a great guy. Even his neighbors are like, this guy was weird. Yeah. Like, from the things I've seen. Yeah. And also, um, so they're, they, the prosecutor, I'm so sorry, I don't have like an updated version of this. I just wanted to like give the big story that this guy was arrested. Right. Um, but they found on his computer searches for child pornography, <gasps> um, various other things. He they found he was using fake names. He had a burner email. Yeah. Um, he had a history of perf- uh, possessing firearms, which I guess that doesn't mean anything unless it's I don't know part of well, circumstantial. It's part of, it's part of maybe a whole profile. A whole profile they they built up. So. As we yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's interesting, I think, with modern, more modern crimes, that a lot of times now when these suspects or, you know, uh, people come up, we have like a real track record of them on social media and internet, which I don't, it's like a new thing. It's a new, yeah. I mean, newer. Relatively. Uh, c- compared to like older cases, because it's like this guy was in interviews with like local, there was like this huge interview with him done recently. Like a profile of his company. Yes. Like, yeah. And just like all this internet, uh, you know, the way they can track what their internet use was as well. People are leaving digital footprints. Yeah. And especially with cases that involve um, sex workers who are, you know, putting up ads in online, uh, whatever, yeah. websites and stuff like that. It's very easy or it is easier to kind of track who... Uh, Hired them. Right. Which was like something you could not do, I think, 20 years ago. Now, this article from Rolling Stone, I there's, an, there's another article I have here from three days ago 
that says that more police departments in different cities are investigating their unsolved murders that could possibly be linked to this suspect. Oh. Police in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, and South Carolina, where Long Island serial killer suspect Rex Hewerman also visited in touch with Suffolk County following his arrest. Mm. So the Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison told people in the New York Post that police in Las Vegas, where Hewerman had a timeshare, Atlantic City, which had a series of still unsolved Black Horse Pike Strangler murders involving sex workers. Damn much like the Long Island serial killer's victims, and South Carolina, where Hewerman also owned property, <gasps> are in the beginning, of sta- beginning stages of determining whether the cases are all connected. Damn. So, that would really put him up there. I he's mean... he's been on all of those places, right? Yeah. As um, far as being one of the war- you know, most prolific serial killers. Right. Um, it notes that in this Black Horse Pike Strangler case, this is out of Atlantic City, four female victims were found in 2006, each bearing the same MO, found near the Bay Drive Motel, face down, and pointed toward Atlantic City's skyline. We'll keep you updated on this story. You can obviously read way more about this online. There's a ton of articles. This is a huge deal. This- I mean, this case is really big. This reminds me, I might have mentioned this before, but when I was a kid, when Joel Rifkin happened, which yeah. is the last big Long Island uh, serial killer, as far as I know, um, I fell asleep with my radio on and I heard the breaking news story while I was sleeping. Oh my God. And I thought I dreamed it. Wow. Because I had started reading true crime from a very young age. Yeah. So, of course, it would be something maybe I would come up with. And it was completely. Wild because it was the first time a case had happened near where I was. Right. It had all just been like whatever, Washington, California, everywhere else. Yeah. And obviously there's big New York cases, but this was the first time I was around at the same time. Not that I was, you know, a possible victim or anything like that, but like, you know, it was just weird. It was was in your neighborhood. Yeah, it was in my neck of the woods and um, Melon... And our next huge true crime story this week is that Leslie Van Houten is Leslie Van Outen. Our our (laughs) former mini title is finally correct. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We did a mini episode a few years ago titled Leslie Van Not Outen. That's right. Well, today she is Van Outen. Mm. She has been released on parole. After trying, making several attempts to get out on parole, Leslie Van Houten, of course, was one of Charles Manson's followers, and she participated in the LaBianca murders in 1969. Yes. So she has been in prison for 53 years. I believe she's the long, one of the long, her and Patricia Krenwinkel are like the longest serving women prisoners. In general? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So she is now in her 70s, and she left the... This is from NPR. She left the California Institution for Women in Corona on Tuesday, less than a week after Governor Gavin Newsom said he would not fight a state appeals court ruling that said the former Manson family member should be granted parole. 
Miss Van Houten was released on parole July 11th, 2023 and was picked up by a division of adult parole operations team, William Newborg, public information officer at this prison told NPR. Van Houten was freed after she was denied parole more than 20 times. She was just 19 when she committed these crimes. Right. She, uh, her, her attorney says that she has worked hard reforming herself over the past five decades and that that has been recognized by the parole board. She's, of course, going to try and um, adjust to this new society we live in after being incarcerated since yeah. the early 70s or uh, 1970. Wow. Yeah. Was that when she was... Um, uh, in the early 70s, for sure. Yeah. So, like I said before, she was involved in the murders of Rosemary LaBianca and her husband, Leno LaBianca, in, at their home in Los Feliz. The family members of the LaBiancas are against her being released, as is the sister of Sharon Tate. Yes. So, I mean, I understand. I understand that feeling. If you're a family member, of course, you have really, obviously, you have, have really strong feelings. Perspective, absolutely. Us, us, we would. Um, but the parole board exists for a reason. Yes, and. Uh, he, you know, he has been denying what the parole board has recommended for the past few times, at least that they've been recommending she's released, and Newsom and other governors have denied that right recommendation, right? Because she has been recommended by the parole board to be released. Yes, and I think what happened here is, whatever you might think about it, this is clearly, um, in my opinion, a political decision on his part. To, when he was denying it, because he, he he doesn't want to be the guy who lets out a Manson family member. But this time, I think he had no choice because um, I can't remember what exactly it was. But I think he could, this could have gotten taken to court at some point that he's denying what the parole board recommends mm. or something. And that's why he kind of fights it. And now he can say, I had no choice and do it uh, kind of politically, um, you know, motivated in a way. Right. Um, so she is out. She's living in a halfway house now. And by the way, I was with our former guest who wrote a book on Manson, Tom O'Neill, when this happened. Oh, right. And he was getting nonstop interview requests, phone calls, including like, I, I think he flew to New York to be on, is it called Nightline? <laughs> Nightline or Dateline? That sounds right. Date, okay. Dateline. It's not Dateline. I know Dateline. It's like, the one on late at night, Nightline, I think it's, it's called. <laughs> so it's on. It's on. I feel at like night. I haven't watched late night TV in so long. Yeah, but the one that came on like after Kimmel or whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was funny to hear him doing these phone interviews with like whatever NPR and uh, all these people from BBC, like. And it was just like I kept, you know, saying things to him, and he's like, "Stop saying those things because I'm going to accidentally say it." like whatever, some jokes I made about certain things. <laughs> and he was like, don't say that. I'm going to accidentally say that on my interview and not look serious. <laughs> right. Like, You're not serious. Uh, but anyway, it was interesting to see that process in play. Yeah. Because it's like they, they're desperately scrambling. Because she, she was released like early. 
like it, it was supposed to, um, I think they, I think it was like two weeks early. Okay. So they were really scrambling to come up. Like they probably had plans to have people on for when it was going to supposedly happen. Right. But because it was two weeks early, they were really scrambling, I think, for guests. Uh, so it's just interesting to see how that talking head thing works. Right. And we hope to have Tom on the show again soon. Yes, absolutely. Because he needs to meet my new cats. He needs to meet your new cats. Well, relative, new to him. <laughs> new to him. He he hasn't, he he famously in our episode we did with him years ago, my late, late cat, Romy, sat on his shoulder the entire time we interviewed him. Right. Well, he has a lot of good new information and I think he has some things he's going to want to promo coming up. So we'll definitely have him back. Yes. Now, our next story Okay, this happened this this was reported on the 12th of July. These look, these are old older big kind of older big stories that we missed because we were on break. They're still relevant. We don't normally talk about political news, but I feel like this story was important. Okay. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. press dinner explodes in war of words and farting. Yeah, I sent that to you. <laughs> I was <laughs> laughing so hard at the headline. I was like, this can't be what I think it is. And this, then I was like, oh, it, it actually is. This is from page six. Uh, page six reports, regrets to report that at a press dinner to boost Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s presidential campaign descended into a foul bout of screaming and polemic farting Tuesday night. The White House hopeful attended the affair at Tony's on the Upper East Side, <laughs> no doubt hoping to impress on the ladies and gentlemen of the Fourth Estate his worthiness to sit at the very same Oval Office desk once occupied by his late uncle. But a shouting match over climate change broke out between two boisterous old men, sending the evening down an extremely unfortunate path. The gaseous, gaseous exchange to which page six bore reluctant witness began after a guest asked Kennedy, founder of the ecological organization Waterkeeper Alliance, about the environment. And it seems that the mere inquiry was enough to set off apparently drunk gossip columnist turned flack Doug Deckhart. <laughs> I don't know this guy, the host of the event who became enraged and screamed at the top of his lungs, the climate hoax. Meanwhile, octogenarian art critic Anthony Hayden Guest, who appeared to have been sleeping. <laughs> for, Was no one above the, below the age of 70 at this event? I don't think so. So this guy, this... 80-something-year-old art critic was sleeping for most of the dinner. Oh, my God. He was roused by the abrupt rumpus. He suddenly opened his eyes and denounced his longtime pal, Deckert, calling him a miserable blob. Yes. Shut up, implored Hayden Guest. Hayden Guest tells us he was not asleep. I was just thinking. He's just resting his eyes. <laughs> We've both been there. The cl- that's the classic. He says he's the one who asked the question about the environment. Deckert continued to scream wildly about climate about the climate change scam while Hayden Guest peppered him with verbal follies from across the table, calling him variously fucking insane and mm. insignificant. Meanwhile, Kennedy, a prospective president of the United States, watched calmly. Here it seems Deckert sensed the need for a new rhetorical tack and let rip a loud, prolonged <laughs> fart 
while yelling as if to underscore his point. I'm farting. (laughs) I just can't imagine. I would have absolutely lost my mind if I was at this event and witnessed this. This this event is the only time you would ever catch me at any event for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Just so I could see this happen. I regret not being there. Anytime you can punctuate something with a fart, look, I that's not my style, but witnessing that is like <laughs> outrageous. Yeah, it's absolutely not my style, but I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. Um, the room, which included a handful of journalists as well as Kennedy's campaign manager, former rep Dennis Kucinich. Oh my! Oh god. my god! Remember Dennis yes. Kucinich? What a what a mess! What a messy <laughs> this whole night. Event. He was stunned, seemingly unsure about whether Deckert was farting at Hayden Guest personally or at the very notion of global warming. I imagine that being your dilemma that you're thinking, well, what is he farting at and not just the fart itself? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't care what the context was at all. Former Page Six reporter Flo Anthony attempted to change the subject, telling Kennedy how much she admired his father. Uh, the tragic. <laughs> so I really I love, love this woman. dad. Yeah. This woman trying to change. It's like, ma'am, there's no going back after that fart happened. I'm sorry. You can't. Sadly and somewhat inexplicably, another guest brought things back to climate change, leading to another round of yelling. Oh, no. We're told Deckard and Hayden Guest have known each other for three decades. So, yes, yes these are the two old guys that are fighting. Hayden Guest was the one who believes in climate change, Deckard's the one who farted. And contributed with his fart. And his gaseous fart contributes to climate change. He absolutely (laughs) contributed to the greenhouse gas effect. Deckard's the one who punctuated his statement uh, that climate change is a hoax with a fart. These guys have known each other for three decades. When asked to comment about his outburst the next day, Deckard told us, I apologize for using my flatulence as a medium of public commentary in your (laughs) presence. Why why would you apologize? We want to know how you do it. And if that's is that something he does all the time? I mean also I'm I mean, isn't Kennedy, I mean, who knows cuz he's gone off the rails recently. I thought he was very pro like fixing climate change I or stopping it. I don't fucking know what this so guy So I'm curious why this guy's even supporting him cuz I think that was one of his big things. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, who knows anymore? Robert F Kennedy Jr believes in so many conspiracy theories yeah. that who fucking knows. He probably just I'm he attracts other cranks. I have to say one of my favorite all-time thing in general is very long-standing feuds between old New York media types. It's like, funny. They're, it's they're funny. the greatest thing ever. Like, and they're they're so like petty. Like, I would love to know the genesis of this because I'm sure it's something very stupid. Oh yeah. Um, oh, this story gets it continues. So Deckert asked Page Six to refer to him either as a quote gallivanting boulevardier, yes, or a <laughs> or a quote beer fueled sex rocket. Wow. But the beer-fueled sex rocket who picked up the tab... Andy paid for the dinner. He's like, I will fart at this dinner, and then I will pick up the tab. I mean, you got to (laughs) respect. He picked up the tab for the evening. I guess he was was the host. 
Which makes this even crazier, that the host of this dinner had such an outburst. Yeah. Was he planning this? Because he, how do you just fart? I'm sorry, I don't know how you do that. He says he has, quote, zero tolerance for the climate hoax scam nonsense in any venue that I am personally funding. Okay. All right. He has a, this guy has a colorful history of sparring, sometimes Ooh. rather literally with the press and more specifically with page six reporters. <laughs> Brit Hayden Guest, who has written for Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and penned books like Studio 54, Disco in the Culture of the Night, tells us, I've known Doug many years. We've, we have had spats for before about this and that. We are not quite the same politically, but it doesn't affect our relationship in the UK. But I thought this was pretty ridiculous. No, Hayden Guest, I've, I know, and I, I think I used his book for my Studio 54 um, episodes, because oh. it's like the ma- one of the major books. Um, but I have never heard of the other guy. Hayden Guest continues, Doug said it was a hoax and a scam. A scam for who? Who is benefiting? That's not a political thing. It's a human existence thing. Hayden Guest says fighting in public is very unusual for him, but when it's preposterous and it's a life and death issue with the planet, to treat it as a zany political thing is foolish. I agree with him on that. I mean, he's right. He's right. During the verbal battle, Hayden Guest told Deckert, I am done with you. But by the next day, they seem to have made up. He said, I didn't mean it. I'm sure we'll talk again. I mean, Deckert seems like a real character. <laughs> I mean, it only makes sense that this is the guy who hosted a dinner for RFK Jr. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I saw this headline and I was like, this can't possibly be literal. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can't remember what the headline was, but it was like blast of gas or something. Right. And I was I, like, oh, that must be like hot air coming out of someone's mouth. But no, it was literally a huge fart. <laughs> I need video. Why is there no video of this? Was this before or after? Like every subsequent news story about RFK Jr. that comes out is like crazier than the last. Because like this was around the same time when he said... That Jewish people and Chinese people are immune to COVID, which is crazy because I've had it twice. Right. I mean, it, you can't, it's too stupid to even um, counter <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> with evidence. It's, like, it's yeah. Just- no, it's, it's so, that statement was so crazy that like his niece or somebody, some like relative of his had to make like a statement that she doesn't believe that. It's like, Imagine having a relative so stupid, you have to constantly deny very obvious things. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I don't believe that the coronavirus was engineered by the Jewish people and the Chinese. That's like, that's like the statement she had to make. It's just so, I can't believe this world. It's... At some times, it's just like crazy. Yeah. Um, anyway... I saw this, this is semi-related, but I saw this um, really horrible story about some famous bodybuilder who broke his neck in a, <gasps> um, lifting like 450 pounds. And yeah. there's like video of it that's horrifying. So don't search for it. I won't. Um, but in the comments, of course, of the story, I saw the, one of the first blue check comments was vaxxed. I was oh like, he literally God. broke his neck. Like, oh are you God. fucking kidding me? <laughs> Like, it's just like, come on, like, just, I don't, it's really difficult for me to tell if conspiracy theories 
have become more prevalent or if we're just seeing more of it because of social media. I mm. do think I do think it's both sometimes. I think more people are finding each other where that wasn't possible back in the day. Maybe you'd just be some kook with your tin hat yeah. all alone right. leaving things. But now you can find 200 people at least or whatever, thousands of people even yeah. who you can convince to be on board with you. Right. Right. And then once you have a group, I think it validates what you're thinking. Cause it's like, it's not just me, all these other people agree. And I think that just kind of builds from there. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. Some of the stuff people believe and like a lot of people. Well, there's a lot of very harmful conspiracy theories. I do enjoy, I would say harmless conspiracy theories. (laughs) Like Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, like I get the appeal, but yeah, I mean, come on. But there's, yeah. It starts to become harmful. But all the big ones that we see now, they're all like super harmful. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, in lighter feel-good news, mm. Lana Del Rey worked at a Waffle House in Alabama. Ugh, I loved, it made me, I was like, I want to do a photo shoot at Waffle House. It's so iconic. I... Love this story. I have to say Lana Del Rey is like one of the nicest celebrities I've ever met in my life. And she looks so hot at Waffle House. Yeah, it's it's a moment. This is from CNN. Lana Del Rey spotted serving customers at a Waffle House in Alabama. The summertime sadness singer apparently has been apparently moonlighting as a waitress at a Waffle House in Florence, Alabama, according to social media posts from a few of her customers shared on a fan account. Pictures posted Thursday show Del Rey in uniform, warmly serving patrons and working behind the counter. In one video, she can be heard saying, oh, look at this guy. Oh, God, Charlie, don't film him without permission. Just Lana Del Rey working as a waitress at a restaurant, the caption reads. She even has her own Waffle House name badge. Another person posed with the singer inside the Waffle House writing, to say I am ecstatic is an understatement. I feel like my soul would leave my body if I was at a Waffle House with you and Lana Del Rey started pouring our coffee. What is she doing this for? Is it for something? I think she's just being Lana Del Rey. Yeah, This is a very Lana thing to do. Yes, but I didn't know if it was for a video or some kind of performance related. Yeah. So she's just in Alabama. She she's <laughs> Sorry. just she uh it says it's not known why Del Rey is currently in Alabama, but she has reportedly been spotted recent days at an area nail salon and a Starbucks. She recently played the Glastonbury Festival in Somerset, England. I'm just curious, like, did she apply? Do they know who she is? Of course. The manager at the Waffle House? Oh, the manager? Maybe. I don't know. It depends who the manager is. I, you know what I mean? Like, what was the hiring process? Because this is a corporation, and they probably have some serious, right? I thought she was just doing this for a day. That's what I want to know. Yeah. like Because even for a day, you'd have to think she had to get like corporate brain, right? Yeah. They're like, we're not going to let someone come in for a day. Or did they just do it like scofflaw? Like... <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. I didn't look too deep into this story, but I saw the pictures. They were very cute. Yeah, the and, pictures are cute. Um, I think it's cool. Our next story is a local story. As we mentioned up top, the SAG after strikes have been going on since 
July 13th. The WGA strikes have been going on since May. So a lot of people, guild members as well as supporters, have been picketing every single day at studios. And in Los Angeles, at the Universal Studios, not Universal Studios. The amusement park. Not the amusement park, but at Universal. It was reported last week that the people at Universal had severely cut and pruned the trees outside of the building where the picketers were walking. So they would have no shade. So they would have zero shade. Uh, I don't know if anyone's been in Los Angeles lately, but we're going through a heat wave. It is very hot. This was a deliberate antagonistic move by the by the company. Yeah. And this is... This is not typical um, when you would prune these trees. Like, so, do you know what I mean? So there's no excuse. Like, they can't say, oh, it's our yearly tree trimming. No. And it's like not when you do it. No. And obviously this story, when this happened, because somebody had posted a picture, like, look at the fucking trees. This was deliberate. Look what they did to the trees outside Universal. And of course, because it's Twitter... We had someone who, quote, tweeted that and was like, buckle up, guys. It's time for some tree theory. I got, yeah. I got I'm going to tell you about tree laws. <laughs> and this yes. guy basically, I didn't read the whole thread, but he basically talked about how this is actually illegal or like to trim trees. Because like the this. Universal doesn't own these trees. It's the city's uh, responsibility to trim them. So yeah. they went in and did it without the permission of the city. So the city of L.A. investigated them trimming these trees, and it resulted in a $250 fine, which obviously is... That'll show them. That, that'll, that'll show them. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, look, that, that is, the, cita- that is the, uh, the fine for a first-time offense of illegally pruning these trees. I saw something maybe yesterday, too, about there's all these like rules of where the picketers can walk um, because there's gates that are allowed to be used and then there's ones they can picket in front of. And of course, there's this huge street right there, or maybe it was not universal, it was Radford, I think, um, that's completely shaded. But that's the the one that the studio has, or the lot has gotten um, reserved for whatever. It can't be. Yeah. It's like, and then the one across the street that they can pick it at is completely sunny. Yeah. Uh, It's just stuff like that. It's just so petty and gross. Right. And we're going to see a lot of these union bust busting tactics from these big companies. Right. But I will say I was on the picket line last week. SAG members and WGA members are not backing down. They're not backing down. And we support this fight wholeheartedly. Yes. I am looking into bringing ice water and popsicles possibly next week. Oh, we should go together. So I need to um, figure it out, like, where the best place to do that is. Yeah. Because I feel like it's hot. It's super hot. We Like, I can't hire a food truck, but... No. Passing out water, ice waters would be good. So, someone, we were at Paramount Studios and there was a like a little snow cone kind of mm. truck there. Nice. 
So it's nice to see like little local businesses who are supportive of the strike. I think people are hiring them too. Like yeah. these food trucks to come. Yeah, yeah. Like wealthier writers and actors. Yeah. Um, who aren't as affected, as affected financially, obviously. Right. And uh, we, we spoke more about this at length in, on, on Patreon. I guess we'll just reiterate it here. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that the wealthier and more famous SAG and WGA members are speaking out. We want them to speak out. Um, and and that, that is to say that don't believe that the majority of WGA members and SAG members are wealthy. These people are not, the majority are not making a living wage at all. It is like a very, it is like 0.1% that is making celebrity money. Also, it's inconsistent year to year. Like I saw that actress, Jennifer Esposito, who was a very well-known working TV actress and probably film too. And she said she didn't qualify for health insurance last year. I believe it. But it's like, you can make a lot of money one year and then be totally under 26,000 the next year and lose your health insurance even as a celebrity. Oh, I'm there. Yeah, are, so there, it's like there are, are countless well-known actors who for a variety of reasons um are not wealthy. I've even seen um, Selma Blair saying she was at risk of losing her health insurance because she has MS right. and isn't able to work as much. Right. But she's contributed to the union for you know for all of that for many years, and it's just kind of like they need to be able to help those people as well by getting more money for everyone, yes, uh, et cetera. And the reality is, there's enough money to go around, and these studios are being very greedy. And assholes. Yeah, I don't know how you support CEOs. I've said it before. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just on the side of workers, period. Same. So, same. Um, wait, do we have one more story? Yeah, we do. We have a couple more stories. Okay. Um, these are obviously not as big. No, they're really stupid. Um, this is the truck spill to end all truck spills. We might have to, I mean, this might end our truck spill stories. Oh, we'll never beat it. We'll never beat this one. And I'm, I apologize for how gross this is. Mm, this I think is, I saw this one. This is from a local Fox affiliate from Connecticut. Poop spilled <gasps> from semi truck causes multiple crashes on interstate 95. I feel like all of our interests are converging on this story. <laughs> this is so upsetting. Bridgeport, Connecticut, a Waterbury man was arrested for spilling poop from a semi-truck mm. on Interstate 95 northbound and causing multiple car crashes due to the slick roadways. That is disgusting. Sli- don't use the word slick. <laughs> At around 10.33 p.m. on Monday, Connecticut State Police Troop G was called to the area between exit 27 and exit 30 on I-95 and northbound in Bridgeport for reports of a large semi-truck spilling in a, quote, unknown substance Mm. onto the roadway from the trailer. The tractor trailer did not stop and exited the highway onto the local streets. So this truck spilled all this shit in the street and then did like a shit and run. This truck was literally diarrheaing on the road (laughs) (laughs) and just kept walking. Why was this truck carrying shit? Yeah. Is that like a truck that like cleans out a septic tank or 
where did it get the shit? Where, this why? Is, <laughs> I have, yeah. Police said multiple car crashes were reported in the area due to the slick roadway. Again, with that word, stop it. Imagine finding out you drove through shit. <laughs> You're like, what is this, black ice? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, what? and like you just can never get that smell off your tires. You for have the... to like completely change your tires. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of when you step in shit in your shoe, and you're like, I can never get it out of the treads. You always have to throw those shoes out. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah. Um, no, and I imagine it might, there might be like splash along like the baseboards of the car. Uh, yeah, like mud. Yeah. Like I'm you sick. just, uh, what do you Your even tires do? turning <laughs> needlessly in the sli- shit. And then it sprays all up on your undercarriage. Yeah. <laughs> it's so upsetting. So the driver of the tractor trailer was a guy named Shaky Joseph. Why would you put this guy in charge of shit? <laughs> Shaky Joseph, age 34. Oh, this guy's trouble. Joseph was contracted by his employer to pull over his tractor trailer to the right of the shoulder of Route 8 northbound exit 17 off-ramp for state police. Joseph was charged in violation of 12 counts of reckless endangerment, first degree, reckless driving, and operation of a motor vehicle with an unsecured load. Good one. Joseph was processed and released after posting his $25,000 bond. He's scheduled to appear in court. Anyway, those Is are- that his fault, though? I don't know. He was recklessly driving, they said. And he he obviously knew what was happening. And he tried to get away, Hmm. I guess. I guess, but pretty stupid. That's all our news stories. We'll be right back. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. 
With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Desi, since we're not going to be discussing current movies and television shows that we're watching because of the strike. Did you listen to any great podcasts this week or any great music this week? Yes, I am listening to the five-part Manhattan Project podcast. Um, I'm sorry, Manhattan Project by last podcast on the left. It's really good. It's five parts. It's like, I don't know, 20 hours. <laughs> They're really long episodes. I bet. But uh, I started listening to it when I was away. And I'm actually re-listening to some things because I missed some things. But it's very entertaining. Yeah, I haven't started it yet, but I'm going to. It looks really interesting. They also have one that just dropped on the Mothman prophecy, like the real story. Ooh. Which, like I said, that's my type of conspiracy theory. About weird cryptids. Yeah. Yeah. Cryptid conspiracies, I'm totally okay with. As long as they don't blame, like, the Jews. Yes. Like, it's not like this cryptid was invented by the Jews. No. Now I'm like, is that what happened? No, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But, like, no, no. Look, it's very likely any conspiracy theory can start drifting into a Jewish <laughs> anti-Semitic thing. Yeah. That's where you got to drop out. Yeah, that's really, uh, okay, guys. That's where you're like, okay, this is no longer fun. Um, and then I'm also listening to the Soundtracker podcast with Andy and Eric. Yes. The latest episode, very good. I just listened to that episode with our friend Andy Levy, and it was funny. Andy's very dry. He's he's he has a dry sense of humor. Yeah, I enjoy, I think the two of them, Eric and Andy together, I know this is their second time collaborating on that podcast. Soundtracker, go subscribe, give them a five-star review. Yes. And subscribe to Eric's Patreon. I think the two of them together have a great chemistry. Definitely. Um, so I haven't finished and I'm really looking forward to getting to the Bob Dylan portion. Andy, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm always thrilled when people agree with me on that. Well, he, he, he does stipulate that he thinks that people who say Bob Dylan is a, is a terrible uh, writer are stupid because objectively he's good at it, but he doesn't like it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Bob Dylan, not for me. Right. And what does good even mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if I don't like it, I wouldn't necessarily say something's good. I would say he's skilled at it. And obviously, a lot of people like it. He's important. 
I under I recognize that Bob Dylan is important, and I rec and I understand that people love him and that he's um, he's very popular. My major issue is be a songwriter. I don't want to hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, one of the worst voices I've ever heard. To me, that's, to me, that's what it is. I'm sure I might like covers of his song. And I, I do like maybe some of his co- the covers of his songs. To me, the only instance that his voice works on his a song is the Everybody Must Get Stoned. That's the only time I'm like, yeah, that fits. It fits, but is it appealing? Not to me. I mean, I thought it was funny when I was like eight. I thought that song was so funny when I was eight years old. Yeah. Um, but just hearing the word stoned sometimes when you're eight, you're like, stoned. Yeah, I don't know. I obviously grew up on Bob Dylan because of my mother, but I will tell you that like there's something about that guy. Like when that he starts playing the harmonica, I'm like, stop. I don't like harmonica. I'm I don't okay. There's a few times. I realize the only instances I like harmonica is in like R and B songs. I think I don't like when it's super featured. Like especially that guy from Blues Traveler. Oh my god. (laughs) Dude. Don't come at me. Blues Traveler. You're gonna get some what about Hook? That's a great song, Desi. What's that? I don't wanna give you a run around. Run around. Is that what it's called? That's called called run around. Yeah, and then that fucking harmonica blares. Ugh. It's just so skin crawl. The harmon (laughs) the harmonica has the potential to make me feel like there's pencils going in my ears. I mean, I feel like I've downed, dunked on the harmonica before, not on this show necessarily. And then then I was reminded there are instances I do like it. Stevie probably, Wonder. Yes, yeah, Stevie Wonder. Stevie old Wonder. Old blues. Shaka Khan, I feel for you. Yeah. That <laughs> harmonica is transcendent. But that's an that's instance. That's an electric... But isn't that sort of... Uh, Manipulated in some way. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the technical. I don't either. The technicality of. But I feel still, for you. still, um, no, it's very funny. I, I I'm trying to think where I had something else to say, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to that part. The Tupac song, "So Many Tears," with the harmonica sample. Yes, yeah, uh, that's great instance. I do not. I do not like it employed in a Bob Dylan or the band. Is just the band also? Don't they also do a lot of harmonica? Probably. I don't know. I like how you drop the band <laughs> and See, the band. I'm, and I'm saying I'm saying this from someone who had to hear a lot of this music growing up as a kid, and that could be part of it too. Sometimes you have when it's like mom or dad music when you're growing up, you can have you can come around on it. Well, at some point, I don't know if that's the case because I was also raised on a lot of Motown and a lot of old blues music and um, the clash and uh, things of that nature. And I love those artists. Yeah. But some of them. But I would tell my mother, I'd say, I'm sorry, you are never going to convince me that Bob Dylan or Van Morrison is pleasant to listen to. Oh, we're going to get emails. I'm sorry. Van Morrison. I don't like him. (laughs) No, I don't He's not for me. He's not for me. I will just say that. He's not for me. I don't. First of all, don't get mad when someone doesn't like something you like. I like a lot of terrible music. I do too. It's not like a snobbery thing. No, not People, at all. I don't, uh, I agree. But I know some terrible, Van Morrison is also a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's subjectively true. Yeah, like, and yeah. I've heard not just, these are not rumors. I know people who like who fucked him because I have what? a connection to Marin. Oh, wow. So, and he's bad. And bad. 
Well, he's just kind of gross. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm sure is true for a lot of rock musicians. But if I like your music, maybe I'll overlook that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to be an asshole, at least make stuff I want to uh, get down to. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't find him to be an appealing person. So it's easy for me. Although I do have to say, when I was at the Bellinas um, parade, one of the, um, <laughs> I think the psychedelic seniors played Brown Eyed Girl. And I was like, that's his best song. And I know it's his most popular probably, but it's fine. It's that's like fine. fine. That's like the only one I really can be like, oh, it's kind of enjoyable every once in a while. I never play it. But if I hear it with old people in, you know, high singing it, I can get down. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. when you're in a group of people and everyone's like, la, 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 la. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, everyone's so stoned right now. It's kind Ugh. of fun. I just... I can't. I can't with that. My mom's going to text us in our group chat, and she's going to be like, well, I love fans. She's like angrily messaging us about no, how we're wrong. She's going to laugh at this. No, okay, good. Because I've already, because look, my whole childhood, I, I, vo- I was very vocal about how much I was like, this sucks. This sucks ass. Yeah. No. I mean, look, not everyone's a fan. Not everyone's a fan. That's and- not to say that she didn't turn me on to some great music. I like a lot of good music. I like a lot of bad music. Me too. I don't, and I, if someone doesn't like something I like, I really don't care. And a lot of the, <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's obviously, like, we're not music snobs. Desi and I are not music snobs. No. We, we like what we like. I've literally, one of my top songs of the year is Humpty Dance. <laughs> of the like, year? I, like, well, you know, in Spotify, they show you, like, what you listen to the most. Oh, Desi's still bumping Humpty Dance 30 years later. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, that's not, I'm not saying that that's a bad song. It's a great song. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's considered to be like, like it doesn't get the same love as Bob Dylan and for some reason. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I will say that Digital Underground, that's a poet. Th- those, those guys are poets. That song. There's is a lot of great lyrics. Poetry. <laughs> I laugh a lot. I like my oatmeal lumpy. Please. Yeah, just the whole grab them in the biscuits. Please. Like, couplet. <laughs> that song is pure. See, that is poetry to me. And that's that's performance, too. And, and it's performance. Yeah, love it. Bay Area Icons, Digital Underground. Yeah, so did you listen to any pods? I did. I listened to, like I said, Andy and Eric's, or Andy's episode on Soundtracker. I listen to a lot of reality gaze this week, and I'm sure I listen to Dateline because I listen to Dateline every week when it drops. I think they drop like two episodes, a few episodes a week. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Just sort of nothing. I haven't. I haven't tried anything new. Um, I'm open to some new podcasts because I'm constantly running out of stuff. Did I listen to any new music? I mean, I listened to music, but I didn't listen to anything that's new. Um, I'm looking at my last song, but it's kind of embarrassing. What is it? Push by Matchbox Toy. Desi! Because <laughs> I saw everyone talking about it, and I was like, what song is that? And of course I remembered. when The, the second I heard it, I just didn't know what it was called. That's one of those bands where I... I know a lot of their songs, but I don't know what any of them are called. Yeah. Uh, and I, if you asked me, I'd say, I don't know any Matchbox 20 songs. Like, I couldn't name one. But you could. But if when you I heard hear them, them, I'm like, 
oh, that's Matchbox 20? Because there's just a large period of the 2000s. The early 2000s, 2000s, late 90s. Where I know a lot of songs, but I don't know who's singing them. It could be a number of bands (laughs) that were around at that time that all had a similar vibe to me. Like Train. Yeah, that well, was train another I, train. I recognize a little bit more because he's like a fried chicken. Because he also has like they have like a very hippie vibe because they're from San them. Francisco. Yeah, so like I can kind of tell there's like this little bit of like groovy a baby. Yeah, and there's like lyrics that are kind of like Stupid. mystical. Yeah, but I'm sorry. <laughs> the, if you ever like really listen to a train lyric the next time you're shopping at the grocery store and yeah. they start playing a train song and you really listen to those, you're like, wow, what is this guy talking about? It's like, it's faux acid trip. Yeah. What's the song? Drops of Jupiter. That's the song I was singing. Yeah. Baby, Baby did you fly across the moon? The <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> and Jupiter's eyes cried. Like, it's just like shit like that. Yeah. But then they have that other one too about the girl. I can't remember. That was like their other big hit. I don't know. They have a they have a vibe where say what you will. I can I can decipher. Oh, I was like that sounds like Train. Like they're yeah. a distinct sound to me. Matchbox Twenty, unfortunately, not very distinct to me. Oh, it's so distinct to me because of Rob Thomas's voice. I guess, but there's a lot of voices that sound like that to me. That kind of like eh. it was that era of like um, post Eddie Vedder. It's like rock. Singing, but kind of emotional yeah. <laughs> and breathy. Yeah, it's really like... It's um, not like Eddie Vedder where it's very full-throated. It's like a little weaker. But it's still really emotional. It's very, very emotional. No, I was not a Matchbox 20 girl, but I absolutely could sing the hooks to all of their hit songs during because they were just constantly on the radio. I will say... They have more hits than I thought. Oh, they have a lot of hits. They have a lot of hits. I just never was into them. Or, yeah. Or even, I don't think I really listened to a lot of top billboard whatever radio at that time either. Yeah. So I would only hear them if I was like at a store or whatever. The last thing I listened to was Jody Watley, I'm Looking for a New Love. Yes. Because love I, was, I was at the gym last night. Ooh. And I was like, that's a... That's a good workout song. I remember that video, too, where she was like doing that little step in her crinoline skirt. Yeah. She is so beautiful. Ugh, Jody Watley insane. is so insanely gorgeous. Um, no, I love that song. I was listening to a lot of old, older pop music, which I like to work out to. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Let me see if I have anything else good. Um, <laughs> I do have the Humpty Dance. It's literally at the top. That's your like your favorite song. Uh, I was also listening to a lot of Amy Winehouse recently. Mm. Um, she's like someone I go back to. I won't listen to her for a while, and then I'm like, oh, you kind of remember. There, like, I like her. The thing about going into my Spotify is that there's a lot of songs that I'm like, oh, I only pull that up to be like, remember this song. Or I see someone tweet something and I'm like, what was like, cause I also had fast car. Oh, cause people were talking a lot about fast car. Cause this some week. country person covered it and I was like, oh, I should listen to the original. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have listened to the cover too for like a second. Of course I have Aretha Franklin, but I always listen to her. Um, 
Yeah. You know what I have in here is Wild Wild West by Cool Modi. Oh my God. Because, I love that song. Okay. That was a song that I was like, hey, hey, Brendan, remember Wild Wild West? I do. And I remember he had that huge overcoat, like that leather um, <laughs> cowboy coat. Yeah. That song is a classic. I love that. I love the artist of that day, like Cool Modi, Big Daddy Kane, like that, that era of rap is really good. Yeah. It's what was fun. that thing? Wasn't Big Daddy Kane at some like thing a few years ago, like some rap awards or event, and he showed up on stage and it was like incredible. I, don't I can't remember. remember what it was, but it was like, oh, Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're so old. <laughs> I like when I see old rappers. Up and at it. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. Because they're still, they still got it. Yeah. I'm not like expanding my mind sonically. I'm, I'm too hot. I'm, it's too hot. I'm listening to the same jams I've always listened to. <sighs> yeah. I should explore new music, but then I'm like, but there's I, so much good old music. I don't, I'm so hesitant. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's over, I get overwhelmed. It is overwhelming. Unless it's like an artist I actively still listen to. Like if Madonna releases something new or if like Kylie Minogue releases something new. Right. They're already in my repertoire. Yeah. If it's a band that I already regularly listen to. Yeah. I agree. Um, what did you eat? I, man, it's been too hot to eat. It's really hot. It's so hot. I'm just like, I mean, obviously I have to eat to survive. But I'm not really enjoying it because I don't want to cook anything. It's the cooking. That's what it is. I don't want to cook anything. I did buy a watermelon yesterday, which I've decided is one of the most, I don't know if embarrassing is the right word, but awkward things to buy. Like the whole watermelon. Yeah. Every time I buy a watermelon, I'm always like, well, now how do I carry this with all my other groceries? (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? It's just such an awkward fruit because it's heavy. Yeah. It's cumbersome. You can't really carry it in one arm with a grocery bag. No. It's just like, I, so I did get a watermelon, but I need to um, chill it because I like my watermelon cold. Yeah, me too. I know some people like their fruit not chilled, but I'm not one of them, Wait, especially in the summer. Are there people yes. who eat lukewarm watermelon? I There's a whole group of people who don't like chilled fruit. Including watermelon. I mean, they didn't specify. I think that watermelon, you can only eat it cold. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's full of water. I did something crazy the other day because it's also been weirdly humid in in Los Angeles. My, uh, of course, my brain was like, this is a great day to make bread Mm. because it's so hot and humid. Yeah. So I made a, a challah. You did? Yeah. You want some? You when just did have you a bite. Okay. I made it. Okay, I started. I, it was. It's a. The. It takes a long time to make. So, so I that's ma- the worst impulse food. No, because it took me. Because <laughs> it, it took me seven hours to make from start time right. to when it was out of the oven. Those are the foods that where I'm like, why well, I should have made something more immediate. <laughs> I was, wanted. Yeah, I was at the grocery store and I was like, I should get some more yeast. I don't have any uh, yeast in my fridge anymore. So I got some yeast. I'm like, I'm going to make challah. Mm. I, I, it, it's that recipe I love by Claire Saffitz. Yes. So I made it Sunday night. Okay. So it came out of the oven at midnight. <laughs> 
So it's like a look. It's been there's like half of the loaf left. Oh my god! And I'm like, sh- I should just make French toast. You got today. You have to. Some when I was away in Bolinas, someone made challah French toast, and I was like, damn, I forgot how good this it's is. It's so good because I haven't had French toast with challah in a very long time, and it really is the best bread for it. It's just it was made for French toast. Yeah, it's so good. And yeah, you're right. Now it's the perfect time for you to French it, toast that up because it's not. It's, it's dry. Like, it's it's dried out a little bit, but it's still really good. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna make some. some I there's a few things I saw. That, the reason I bought the watermelon is because on Instagram I saw someone freeze watermelon mm. and then put it in the food processor with lime juice and make <gasps> like a sorbet, a watermelon Ooh. sorbet. And there's like no sugar added. It's literally just watermelon and lime. Because watermelon's very sweet. Yeah. And I was like, that looks really good. That sounds so, so good. I'm gonna at least do half of it that way and try that out. And then probably make whatever, some kind of watermelon salad. Yeah. I, I love watermelon. It's like one of my favorite Me too. foods. I've been I fucking doing, love it. It's like heirloom tomato season. So I've been doing a lot of that. Oh, I should get I should get some tomatoes too. Okay. I know you don't like turkey burgers, but I do. And I actually made this with ground chicken breast, but it's kind of like turkey burger adjacent. I made these chicken burgers with grated zucchini in them. And the zucchini keeps them so moist Mm because zucchini has so much water in it. Yeah. It was the easiest recipe I've ever made. I got it from the New York Times. It's ground chicken, a tablespoon of mayo, and grated zucchini with obviously with salt and pepper, and you can add what other seasonings you want to that, and just fry them up. Yeah, it was so easy, and they're so moist. Wow, I do have one turkey burger recipe I like that I've mentioned on the show. It's a Martha Stewart one, and it has a lot of it has stuff in it. Oh yeah, I think you sent that to me before. Uh, that is really good. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I did have some ground turkey, and I made made something with it. And when I was eating it, I was like, I just really don't like this flavor. Try it with chicken. <laughs> Try it with the chicken breast. Yeah. It's not that I can't eat it. I obviously do and it's fine, but it's like, there's something about it. I was like, I just don't like, why don't I like this? No, you got to try it with the chicken because that's what I've been using because yeah. I haven't had, um, I like the white meat ground turkey breast. Chicken? No, I like, oh. uh, because they have like at Gelson's, they have like white meat ground turkey. Yeah, I've seen that, but I've also seen it with chicken. The and they also chicken. have it with yeah. chicken. Um, Which you really need to add some moisture to. You really got to add moisture, and the zucchini does it. Yeah, because okay. it expels that so much moisture. I actually have zucchini too. You got to try it. It's good. Okay. And the mayo goes in the mix? Yeah, it's literally just mix up your pound of ground chicken with, I used like a zucchini and a half or one zucchini grated up. Mm hmm. And then um, a tablespoon of mayo and then your seasonings. And you ate it on a bun? I ate it on a bun. I ate it on one of, you know, Killer Dave. Yeah. The, the, the horny guy on the bread package. Yeah, of course. With the guitar. I made it with the Killer Dave's hamburger bun, an heirloom tomato, pepper jack cheese, and um, baby jam lettuce. Ooh. And it was fucking good. Yeah. I, I'm going to try those Dave's buns. I had That's what I had for lunch yesterday and dinner. Oh, wow. It was that good. Okay. It was a great little meal. Mayo is a surprisingly good ingredient. 
It's, you, it always sounds weird, but ends up being really good. Yeah, like I've used mayo on the bread of a grilled cheese sandwich, and it surprisingly worked. Well, speaking of the tomatoes, that's something I'm seeing all over my timeline, even from like famous chefs, is the heirloom tomato mayo sandwich, which I have never tried. I've never tried it either, but I, I put mayo... I want I put mayo on the bun of my yeah. chicken burger and so I got that mix with the tomato. Yeah. And it is there is something weirdly delicious about an a thick heirloom tomato slice with mayonnaise on toasted bread. I know. I'm, and salt I'm kinda and like into trying it now. Even yeah. though I don't typically mayo my sandwiches. It's not like my thing. Oh really? Even though I like mayo and like tuna salad or chicken salad. I don't know. I'm like a mustard girl. Or I like an aioli. You know what I like is a fucking Dijonese. Oh, yeah, Dijonese. I like a mix of mayo and mustard. I, yeah, I just typically, like, I'm not going to put best foods all over my sandwich. I'll do I'm just it. Not, I don't care. I'll do it. I don't it. like it like that. Like, I like the Kewpie mayo better because there's a little more flavor happening. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people have an aversion to mayo. A lot of people have an aversion to mayo. I don't. I don't, but I do plain, like best foods. Like I like more gourmet mayos plain. You like homemade mayos, aioli. Yeah, or some flavor to it. Yeah. But I agree, a Dijonese. D, 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 Dijonese. I can't believe, I was going to, okay, I was going to start singing the jingle, but I'm like, there's no way Desi remembers this. I might have even invented this. No, I remember every food jingle. Okay. D, 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 Remember every, there was like, there was a period in advertising where every food had like um, some song from the doo-wop 50s. Yes, like <laughs> like the Lifesavers Cream Savers. That was like, a, they had like a doo-wop jam for that jingle. Right, even Mr. Um, Big Stuff for the Oreo Big Stuff. That's not really doo-wop. But it's of that era. Like sixties, sixties, yeah, yeah, sixties. Um, I'm just saying they were using that era of music, right? A lot because all the in that period because all the old people yeah. they were all the ad execs were like uh, <laughs> aging boomers, right? But Dijonese, um is that that's Duke of Earl? Yeah, I mean that's not doo up either, really. I think it is. is it? I mean, is that, I don't know. I think that's it's, doo-wop. It's on the fringe because I think of doo up as more like up tempo. Yeah. I don't know. What I don't know. Don't I, at me. I don't I, know. Now I need to go look into like what, but what it's of that era. What subgenre is is Duke of Earl? I think Duke of Earl has some nods to doo wop for sure. Because the doo doo is that doo. See, I think of doo wop as you know, like boo wop boo bop, <laughs> <laughs> like more up tempo stuff. I don't know. Um, I you're gonna send me and do like a tailspin of looking up all the all the jingles, all the food jingles, food-specific jingles. I think we should hit on some in, in, in an episode. No, I've long wanted to do an episode about um, covering the best jingles of all time. Yeah. Do they still make Dijonais? <laughs> <laughs> they must. It's pretty popular. I don't know. Hold on. Uh, vamp for a second. Um, I'm trying to think of some other jingles from that. I mean, I know I know them all. Um but the ones based on that music, 50s, oh, 60s. I hope this is it. Of course, I have like a, a YouTube ad before this. Oh, no. Oh, uh, yes. There's a new winner in mustard. Eat a nation's 
Dijonese, naze, naze, Dijonese, naze, naze, Dijonese. Everyone's turned off the podcast by this point. They're like, one star. I come here to listen to hard-hitting journalism, and these absolute idiots are talking about sandwich spread. (laughs) These bimbos. These fucking Um, idiots. Anyway, we'll be back with more um, hard-hitting jingle commentary. And if you're a Patreon member, we will be doing an after show soon. Patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Also, if you're at the $10 tier, we will be posting, since we're not recapping movies for the time being anymore, we will be posting a very exciting Mysteries and the Macabre true true crime story researched and written by Desi. Yes. We'll get that up this week. We'll get that up this week before the end of the month. And exciting, exciting things are happening. We'll get some. I'm, I'm going to look up some more ads for our um, after show too. That's what. That's what the, the after show will so, be about. Jingles. I don't know. That's the hardest sell I can come up with. Right. We'll be talking more '90s, um, doo-wop, '50s, '60s inspired jingles. Mm. There's got to be a lot. There's got to be a lot, as well as. Um, you know, we should like do like a. I would I would read like a full like a very serious like music journalism piece <laughs> about like um, the styles of music that have been used in jingles. Yeah, and like, what's the trend? It's there's trends. There's, there's trends. Clear, there's clearly trends. Yeah, um, and I would love to know more about it. Right. Oh, you know what I saw the other day? This uh, we'll just end on this. I saw an Instagram post um, of the November rain. Video, sorry. Yes. And it's the section where Slash has his big guitar solo. In the wind. Yeah. But outside they, the church. But yeah, but they um it's what was really recorded. And it's just him playing electric guitar with no electricity. So it's just like that ding ding ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Oh right, because he's just in the middle he's of He's in the middle of the a, desert. There's yeah. no he's not plugged in. Is it was it real or did someone make that up? I think it was real. What I saw was Cause, real. Because sometimes people will add yeah. in fake. It wasn't super comical. Right. Because it sounded like he was really playing things. Right. But it was just like, you know how an electric guitar yeah. has like zero sound yeah. when it's not plugged in? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. even like acoustic. No. It was like that. And he's like playing really hardcore as if he's doing his soulful uh, solo. Yeah. Which we all know is incredible. I was obsessed with that video as a kid. I... Speaking of songs, there was like maybe a two years ago, I listened to that song so much that Why? it was, I don't know. You were going through something. You know how you hear a song you haven't heard in a really long time and then you're just like, this song, I love this song. <laughs> you just keep listening to it. No. I just got hit with that song again. I, I was a total Guns N' Roses head as a young as a young child and I was obsessed with that video because it was just so dramatic. That I was, loved her wedding dress. Her wedding too. dress I was obsessed with. <laughs> the, the really slutty wedding dress where it was really super short in the front and then long in the back. And her legs were so long. They were so I was like, this is an incredible look. No, she had like <laughs> these Barbie legs and um what I'm fucking forgetting. Okay, well, we need to do like a show where we go through like iconic couples. <laughs> 
couple because there's so many 90s couples that were just incredible. We should, you know what we should do since we're not doing movie recaps anymore? We should do a bonus episode of music video recaps. Yes. Of our favorite. We each, okay. We each pick a music video that meant something to us as kids. I but almost they, did that when I did George Michael last year because I watched the Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go video and I was <laughs> crying laughing. <laughs> Yeah, pick a video that meant something to you as a kid or that was very memorable to you because this was back when music videos, they had like a storyline. Oh my God. I mean, November Rain was like an epic. It was a long video. It was a long video, but it had a whole storyline. She died. I also remember, I almost remember there being a huge premiere and it almost started with like a feature film type title card or something. Yeah. They did that a lot it when w- they would drop a video that w- was like by a real famous director as well. Like, it was an event. It oh, was totally. music videos dropping like new ones. It was sometimes an event. Especially when artists would do these 10 minute long videos. Right. And then they would do some edited version later on to play in the rotation. Yes. Because that's definitely what they did with November Rain. But yeah. you could see... Because sometimes they'd have dialogue. Yes. Before the, <laughs> do you remember there'd be like whole scenes of like dialogue before yeah. the music even started? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like incredible. When they had... Di- like in Mariah Carey's Honey video. <laughs> yes. Mariah Ca- Mariah Carey's Honey video, the first like five minutes of it, she's literally um, being interrogated by some mob bosses and she's oh. and she escapes from them. Incredible. Like... Yeah, it, I I think that's a great idea. I would love to go through those videos because that was so that's so fun. I'm kind of sad it's not as uh, big of a thing as it was. Yeah, because everything just drops online and it's like not. They still have videos, obviously. Yeah, but, but if you're not interested in that artist, you don't aren't going to necessarily see it. But when we were kids, you would just have MTV on all day, so you would see videos by oh. artists that you wouldn't normally listen to. Totally. So you so you know all of these. I mean, that's probably how I first heard like rap was seeing videos of it on MTV. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was like interesting to put a face to the artist. And then there were some really good videos, though. Like they were art, even if it was like a shitty song or a song you wouldn't normally listen to. You're like, oh, well, now I know who Primus is. Right, and just watch. Don't come at me, Primus. I know. I was like, why'd you pick Primus? Well, I don't know. No, I'm Look, kidding. Um, I just, yeah, it's like you, but you'd see all these artists. But you would watch it, even you'd if you'd watch didn't like the, the whole song. fucking thing. No, that was, it was like feeding you. Like, yeah. I was like, what's next? Like, what's yeah. next? Okay, I'll sit through this one and see what's next. Like, you yeah. just did that for so long. No, that's how I got into Bjork as a little kid, too. Because oh, yeah. she always had weird videos. She's got great videos. And I was and like, they're like Spike Jones directed. Yeah. Like, a lot of great film directors started in videos. So there's really great Fincher. ones. Fincher. Yeah. Fincher I mean, did. Uh, Mick G. No, I'm just kidding. Mick G. Uh, <laughs> Hype Williams, another, oh, another yeah. classic of the 90s. Oh, yeah. Now there's so many. You know what other had a video had a huge premiere was Scream. Oh my god, I remember that. Because that, <laughs> that was like a feature film as well. Because like, Scream was the most expensive music video ever made at that point. Yeah. It might still be today. Who knows? I mean, if and, anyone went out on their videos, it was Janet and Michael Jackson. Yeah. Like they spent a ton of money. Yeah. Especially and, Michael. Especially Michael. Because Michael had already like broken technolo- technological ground with the black or white video, with the face morphine. No, and he was like truly like the first huge 
video artist star. I mean, so he had to keep it up, I think. He did. He had to keep upping the ante, and he really did. Um, No, I fucking love it. We should should go through that. that. Okay, bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.